1: All right, I got some more questions here. Great questions today, everybody. I, I really enjoy these. Do, do we answer this one? The one Which that one? You just said?
2: The, of the twenty twenty three commits who has? The oh most yeah, I'm potential? sorry. <laughs> I'm to get to that
1: one. It was an Irish High Town, right? Irish high Town. Yeah. I put it away. I took it off. Of the twenty twenty three commits, this was for you, Ryan. Yes. Who has the highest? Who has the most potential? Keon Keely, I'd say. I mean, he's
2: if Keon Keely, there's no reason that projecting forward that you can't say if Keon Keeley develop body develops and he's 6'6, 265 pounds, that he can't be like one of those future chase young type of yeah. draft prospects, right? Like he's, I mean, a menace that, like every time, ta- every, everything that you want in a premier edge rusher, defensive ends, Keon Keeley has it.
1: I mean, I, I don't know if I'd even say it's close and that, yeah, and there's several guys be. I have with five-star upsides in this class. It's just Keon is, He's special. Let me ask you this: Who yeah. is it after Keon? I think that's more of a conversation that would be more interesting to have than I mean, the first one I think is is easy. Even yes. if they'd have got Dante Moore and Jason Moore, my answer doesn't. I don't even think twice about it. Yeah, as far as you know, most potential because I think Dante Moore was a great player because his floor was as high, incredibly sure. high. Sure. Um, I think there's other quarterbacks in this class that have higher ceilings.
2: I. I think, and I think what what se- separates Keon too is the position he plays, right? It's mm-hmm. like defensive end is just such an important position. I'm going to go to a position that's been a little undervalued in recent years, but I would say Peyton Bowen for me. Like, I think Pey- okay. I think Peyton Bowen has superstar potential. Like, he, yeah. I, he's, a, I mean, he's a ball hawk, great ball skills. Like, he's that guy that I think could be an All American safety if he yep. is the is the, I mean, because he's the athlete we think he is, <laughs> right? So,
1: yeah, I, let me think about this one. I, Cause I might, I might have to go with you on that. I'm trying to think through, cause like, I'm trying to think who are the guys that I have given five star upside grades to. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to think too. Uh, cause obviously it's going to be one of them, but you know, I do have upside grades here on the, the boards. So I have on defense, I have five guys with five star upside grades mm-hmm. and on offense, I have four now that, Jaden Greathouse, which is this is the most five-star upside grades I've ever given out for an Notre Dame class. There's nine already. That's awesome. And on defense, it's Keon one, Peyton Bowen two, Micah Bell three, Bubakar four, Drake Bowen five. And if I was going to drop one of those guys, I'd probably drop Bubakar because he's so raw. yeah. But I think his upside is – I mean, he is a bigger, more athletic ver- and more powerful version than Adi Tagumba Ogandiji. That's fair. Right? And, and, and Adi was a pretty good football player. Sure was. So I think Bubakar's got a really high ceiling. But to me, when I look at that list, the the thing that's the only guy that I would say in that list that compares to Peyton would probably be Micah Bell. But the difference is I think Peyton's got a lot better frame than Micah does, much more size. And when I look at Jagasaw Page and Braylon James upside on offense, I just don't think any of those guys are in the same, quite the same level as Peyton Bowen. You know, I think Jagasal might be the only guy just because of positional value, right. Mm-hmm. Being an offensive tackle, but even then I don't think he's a left tackle. So sure. I, I'd have a hard time not going with Peyton Bowen in this number two. Jagasaw is
2: worth talking about though, because I mean, you I know. think he does. I mean, if there's another guy, he, he has all American potential, I think, I mean, to your mm-hmm. five star upside rating uh, wise, I mean, he could be a dominant player, but again, it's because that's, that's the interesting one for me. Like, I don't think it's really close between Keon Keely and Peyton Bowen, even though I think both could be superstars. Cause keon kelly plays a position that is just so important right but when you're talking about we're talking about charles jagasaw right tackle offensive guard compared to a safety that's where like the gap of importance starts like mm-hmm. going a little less for me you know if he was a true left tackle to your point though that probably wouldn't even be a conversation he'd be no point. he'd be
1: number two yeah. right 100 yep. percent yep agree I, I love this one. Matt was Matt 2011 GT with a super chat. I appreciate that, Matt. It's just simple. Is it football season yet? I mean, it's always football season. It's always football you know, season. Always football season. <laughs> but man, we're getting close. It's like 50 days, something like that for the first game. I mean, we're getting close. Yeah, We're getting really, really close. Uh, I appreciate the super chat very much. Got a super chat from just your ordinary Joe. I got so tired of hearing that Notre Dame's goal was to play for a championship rather than winning one. Thank you guys for not per- perpetuating Brian Kelly's phrase. Ending regular season up near the top does not equal job done. I mean, Joe, that was my biggest. And Joe, just to remind you, you're bringing up Brian Kelly here, my friend, not not me in this instance. Uh, love you, Joe. But uh, that was my biggest beef, and why I still get frustrated. With Brian Kelly's he worked if he would have worked as hard at recruiting and developing and relationships as he did at spinning narratives he might've won a championship at Notre Dame. I mean, he worked hard to change the narrative, including trying to get people in the media to, you know, be his buddy and say the right things and do all that kind of stuff. He worked hard to change the narrative as opposed to just working hard at coaching, you know, and, and that's the thing that disgusted me. It was always somebody else's fault. And it was always changing. Like he had a way with words because again, this is a guy with a political background. He understands how to use words to manipulate a point. Right. Right. I mean, it's something you and I kind of talk about in our personal, personal conversations. It's like, you know, it's like, if you were just be honest, you know, people would respect you more. If you'd put into work, people would respect you more. You spend so much time trying to spin a narrative. Like, it's like, does anyone believe that just randomly all these media people last year started talking about if they go 11 and one, this is the best coaching job of Brian. Tell- and it's like within a week, all these things, it's like, like, I feel like I'm watching like, you know, politics and I'm getting like, if I turn on Fox News, I'm getting like every right wing analyst is like repeating the same thing. And if I turn on CNN, every person, left person is repeating the same thing. It's like, okay, you guys aren't even like having an individual thought now. Just all the same talking points. Are you saying a narrative was created in an echo chamber? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Uh, (laughs) Duh. Uh, And that's what it was. It was just like, why is everybody all of a sudden talking about this is going to be the best? It's like, we're in September. And people talking about this is going to be the best coaching job of Brian Kelly's tenure. And I'm like, what? Like, okay, where'd this come from? Like, who's starting this one? And it just, like, if you put that much energy into, like, getting the most out of your team, maybe you might actually won something meaningful in your 12 years as the winningest coach at Notre Dame. So, yeah. And, look, we like Marcus Freeman. I didn't like Brian Kelly. Everybody knows that. But I didn't hold Brian Kelly that standard because I disliked him. Because I'm going to hold Marcus Freeman to the same exact standard. Right? Being competitive against Ohio State is not mission accomplished. It's you're getting closer. But it's not mission accomplished getting to the playoff and losing by three in the semifinal is you're getting closer. It's not mission accomplished. Right. And and no matter how my personal feelings are towards the coach, the standard is the standard and doesn't change. And so it is nice to have a coach that's embracing that. Because if you listen to all the players when they came back, decided to come back and not go to the NFL, and you listen to the spring interviews, they're not saying we want to play for a champion. I came back to win a championship. And that starts at the top. Sean and I have talked a lot about this. Sean Diggs and I have talked a lot about this. The message is different now. It's not we want to, you know, do graduate champions. Duh. That's like bragging about what your job is. That's like Ryan bragging about, hey, I wrote an article today. Well, yeah, it's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. I showed up for the podcast. Well, is it any good? Well, no, no, no. I showed up for the podcast. Well, that's your job. That's like what you're supposed to do. I like participation awards. It's a participation. A that's a great, it's a participation no. trophy. Well, yeah. We don't play that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's not what the standards are in their name, graduating champions. Dude, that's what you're supposed to. And you don't even do most of that. Right. I've talked to power yeah. five coaches. They're like, dude, Notre Dame coaches have it easy when it comes to academics because it's all handled by the school. Like we have to do ch- class reports and all, all the stuff that Adam Sargent's people do. Coaches at other power five schools have to do, right? So I'm sorry, you're not getting a, a cookie for graduating your players. You're at freaking Notre Dame. That's that's what you're supposed to do. If you don't do that, you don't have a job. Your, jo- your, your, your praise should come because... You're competing for and winning championships. I'm always going to use the phrase you're competing for a championship, but not winning one doesn't automatically equal that your season was not a success, but winning one is the ultimate success. And if you're not taking steps towards getting there, then you're not doing this coaching thing right at Notre Dame. And that, that was a big issue I had with Brian Kelly.
2: Now I want cookies. Thanks, Brian. I know,
1: right? <laughs> Fat Fish said "Why still would have gotten that garbage extension. Talking about beating USC. Could you imagine what his extension would have been if he'd have beat USC? Would have been he a might Gruden still, Gruden He extension. might still be the coach. Like we True. can't afford to we can't afford to buy him out. You know, it's like oh on my the Bob- Bobby Bonilla deal and still get oh, a million he, years yeah. for the next you 50 are years. You are not kidding at all. All right, Pat McMahon. I I like this one. This is more of a comment. I know star ratings aren't everything, but fun fact with great house's commitment, Notre Dame has 90% four or five star recruits according to 247, compared to 54% average from 2017 to 2021. That is a very interesting statistic, actually.
2: That's a, that's that's very, I mean, 54 seems low, doesn't it? Like that's a, that seems really low.
1: It's about right it's about right. Yeah. Now, it's yeah. about right for what I know Notre Dame was. I'm not saying it's right for what Oh no, I, I just meant I just
2: yeah. meant based upon what it should be. <laughs> it yeah. just seems very yeah. low. Yes. Yeah. No, so, I wouldn't say that Pat was wrong. I was just like well, Yeah, cuz it's 18
1: out of 20, so that's uh-huh. the 90%. And um should be 20 out of 20. Ohio 20, states at 88.9. But... Wow. Cuz Ohio they both have two three stars. Notre Dame mm-hmm. has more commit kids, and and here's the crazy thing. So on Rivals, I, unless Rivals has dropped some of their, no, I'm sorry, up until the, the moment Joe Odden committed, every single Notre Dame commit was a four star, I believe,
3: mm-hmm.
1: on Rivals, and uh, that's that's an impressive feat, very very yes. impressive feat, and that's yes. the that's about the standard those other programs are. You're if you go back and look at Bama, they're going to be in the eighty percent to ninety from year to year in four to five stars. It's about where you're at. And if 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 J, if we're if Joe Otting is a true three star, then I'll I'll be
2: happy to take a Joe Otting. Sure, so I'll, be, I'll be good with that. one. And
1: I, I'm okay with people. Like the problem is, is that's why we do the upside grade. Yeah, because I'm okay with someone saying a kid who's 6'4", 260 is a three star right now, right? Like you, you know what I mean? Like, but it, in, in our standard, it's it's I'm okay with that. But it's like you've got to say, but but you know, I can't compare him to uh, Samson Oklahoma yet, who's six six. 300 plus pounds, right? Sure. But you look at what this kid could be when it actually, when anyone cares, which is when he's in college, that's a different story. Like 100%. Joe R Joe Alt was not a four-star prospect in high school. We knew he could become a much higher than that. So I gave him a four and a half star upside grade, but he wasn't that in high school because he was his body had developed yet. And that's, that's kind of one of the the reasons we do the upside grade. Cause to say, hey, look, this is where this kid is now. But if he pans out, look, he's got a chance to be here. And I think that's, it's, it's helpful in my opinion. So here we go. Got some more questions. Super chat from Sean S think uh, any of the 22 and 23 receivers have Stovall or Samarja level potential impact wise. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. yeah. I'd say except Rico Rico is more to me. Rico is more trying to think of the, uh, uh, the right way to he's more again, different style of player. Uh But his max production is more Miles Boykin-ish than it is Stovall, Samarja-ish. Like 50 catches, 800 yards. You know, again, they'd get to it a different way. Rico's more of a number two, number three guy, which is important. You need that kind of guy. Sure. Whereas I think Tobias, Braylon, and Jaden all have dude, like you're the guy potential. Sure. Uh, And – the potential to do it together, which is what made Stovall and Samarsha so fun to watch. is because they were both dominant. So, yeah, I, agree. Uh, I would I would say town Irish, townie Irish with a super chat. Thank you that Ronan <laughs> Hannafin. Where are you at? Hey, last, hey. Piece. Yes, last piece. Yes, he's the final piece. He's, and he's in a very important piece. He's not like a icing on the cake. He is a this class isn't the same without him type of player. Yeah. You know, this isn't Jason Moore picking Notre Dame on the D line. Where if you don't get him, yeah, it's a bummer because he's a great player, but you don't need him. Not only would Ronan Hannifin give Notre Dame a great player who I review as a top under player, you need him also. So mm-hmm. yes, yeah, he's very important. He's very important. Desiree White. I love Audric Estime's attitude. I love his confidence. Just look at what he said after the Fiesta Bowl. I really think he can be one of the great running backs of Notre Dame if he stays healthy, good speed. The comment he so. made was, I'm going to win the Doak Walker Award next year. <laughs> Which I, I love, love it. That. I love it. I love it. But here's the thing yeah. you know about Audrick. You know he may, not, he may or may not, but it's not going to be because he doesn't work. He's going to sure. put in the work. That's the one thing you know about it. He's from New Jersey. That's so right. That's all you expect. <laughs> that's all you expect. Tom Burke. Last week, Brian mentioned he wasn't overly impressed with Ben Minich, but your opinion could change. I saw where Minich ran a 10, meters. Is that a game changer? N- no. Mm. It, 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 I need to see it on the field, Tom. Like And and now, does that kind of like, hmm, open my eyes? Sure, sure it does. I got to yeah. see that on the field, though. That's what we've said, that's what we made very clear about Micah Bell. We're not ranking Micah Bell as a top 100 guy because he has great track speed. We rank him as a top 100 guy because that great track speed that we talk so much about shows up on film, and mm-hmm. that's the key. That's key. Now, if that fil- if that shows up on film, Tom, you can't teach that kind of speed. But I will remind you, Penn State had a kid that ran a 4 2 2 at the Combine and he never played for them. He's a special teams guy only, right? Am I correct mm-hmm. on that? Or is that is it yeah. the pro day was he at the combine or was he just the pro was that the pro there is there,
2: there was one kid who was like a backup receiver or something that ran four two, but then there was another safety that played for them a little bit, but even he wasn't that good. And who also ran four two. Penn State always has those guys, man. It's never, like nuts, it's
1: crazy. It is crazy, uh, but they, they weren't impact players, right? Yes. Now I think Ben Minich is a good football player, but I just you know f- on high school football player, I just I don't see Notre Dame guy yet. Now if that ten four speed starts up on film, yeah, Tom, I'll change my mind. Sure. I'm, look, I hope I'm, I'm I hope everybody know this. If you're new to the channel, if I don't think highly of a kid, I always want him to prove me wrong. I want mm-hmm. every kid that I don't think is going to be a star to prove me wrong every single time, unless I think he's a bad kid. And there's nobody on the roster that I feel that way about right now. There there have been in recent seasons. There isn't right now. And, and there isn't one in this class. There's not a kid in this class I'm rooting against. No. Like Steve Angeli last year, I would enjoy watching Steve Angeli prove me wrong. I would thoroughly enjoy it. Because everything I know about Steve Angeli is he's a great kid. And he loves Notre Dame. And I, I hope he does prove me wrong. Like I enjoyed watching Kyron Williams prove me wrong. I didn't think Kyron Williams could be this kind of player high school or in college I enjoyed watching Kyron prove me wrong even though he blocked me on Twitter because I didn't think he was a great part of high school I still enjoy watching Kyron Ky- Ky-
2: Kyron has you blocked on Twitter yeah, I, never, I didn't know that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> funny. I
1: didn't know it till last year somebody's like do you know Ky-? And I was like I don't because I don't really like engage with kids on Twitter and yeah. you know I don't think gee I haven't seen a tweet from Kyron Williams in a while I, Wonder I why? Like, oh, okay. I've been pretty supportive of this kid ever since I saw him. You know, because even as an early enrollee, I was like, "Yeah, I got this one wrong." Because you could even see it That's his funny. first his first year at Notre Dame. I was like, "Yeah, this kid's going to be a really good player." I still remember watching him beat uh Kyle Hamilton for a, on a corner route for a big play. Like when they were both freshmen, I'm like, "Yeah, this 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 kid's going to be really good." I think it was in the it was in the fall camp. I was like, "This kid's going to be really good." <laughs> Sorry, you see Rita walking around. Uh, so I had to let Rita down in the basement today. Uh, we had some storms today, and she doesn't handle it well. And my wife's out of town, and locking her out of the basement would have caused her to panic. So I'm letting her lay down. But sometimes she gets antsy. Ninety nine prompts, BK ain't one. For two twenty three, is the coaching staff? This I'll ask this of you, Ryan. Is is the yep. two, coaching staff exceeding your expectations in terms of recruiting? Basically, are the results coming sooner than you anticipated?
2: Um, I I want to – all right, so let let me backtrack real quick. So I think that you saw the immediate impact of Marcus Freeman when he first got here. I mean, a lot of the final touches on 2022, I mean, you talk about like Jalen Sneed and Tyson Ford and like those types of guys, like he showed his impact very quickly. I would say this, Brian, I don't know if you agree with this. I think where they're exceeding my expectations is that – not that Marcus Freeman and his staff are successful recruiters to this degree, it's more the fact – that they completely flip the script as far as how they attack recruiting, like so much mm-hmm. collaborative effort and just changing completely their ideology of how they are going to recruit is what has surprised me the most. Not that they're good recruiters, because I knew Marcus Freeman was a good recruiter, and I know that a couple of the other guys are on the staff that were already there are good recruiters. It's more the fact that Marcus Freeman has so much confidence in himself as a first-year coach that immediately he was like, "Nope, we're doing it this way. We're not like changing some things about it. We're completely flipping the script. I think that's the biggest surprise that I've had.
1: I will say individually there have been a couple guys better than I thought right away. But honestly, no, they have not exceeded my expectations. And this is going to sound arrogant. I get it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of went off on a buddy of mine last night because he calls me and he's 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 like you know saying some stuff that was just was getting on my nerves. It's like you're why are you repeating the stuff that some Penn State fan told you? I don't care what Penn State fans think. And and I said, dude, I've been telling you this because this friend is like it was, it was like a uh, well, Notre Dame's only winning because Notre Dame's buying players. And I was like, why why are you telling me that? Like you know that's not true. I know that's not true. So why do I mean Why are you wasting my time at 10:30 at night about some some stupid Penn State fan said. And, and, but I, you know, the comment I sent him was like, dude, I have been telling you this for a decade, you know, like more than as it was ever since I got into recruiting and I got to know recruits and I got to know their families and I got to know coaches like, man, if, if Notre, Notre Dame should have had that guy, they should have had that guy. They should have had that guy. They should have had that guy. That guy wanted to go to Notre Dame. And, and, you know, uh, so this staff is simply doing what I've always thought this program was capable of. Uh, so, now, in order to for me to say yes, it's faster than expected, they've got to sh- close strong. That's still the missing piece for me, Ryan. Is they've got to get Jeremiah Love. They got to get Ronan Hanniff. They got to get Jaden Osbury. They got to get a quarterback, right? Th- them finishing strong is gonna say, yeah, this happened a little faster than I expected. I expected this class to be a three to five class. I expected that. That's sh- that's what Notre Dame should be doing. I've told my buddy Tony for a decade, if Notre Dame had legitimate recruiters and a head coach that would put in the work, they are a top five recruiting operation annually. I've argued with people in this chat on past message boards that that's the case, but they didn't have that in place. So I expected top three to five. If they close strong, they could be one to two. That's the difference. And the thing that people have to understand, say, well, no, 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 the points don't... Well, no. The points are going to be different this year because there's a lot of big time, highly ranked point guys that aren't going to Bama or Georgia or Ohio State. They're going to Miami. They're Louisville. going to Tennessee. They're going to Louisville because yeah. of NIL. So NIL is bringing some of those other teams down. It's hurting Bama more and than it's hurting Notre Dame. It's hurting Georgia more than it's hurting Notre Dame so far. It's hurt them more than it's hurt Ohio State, in my opinion. So I think the overall numbers are going to be a little lower than normal, but that's like so far, this is what I expect Notre Dame coaching staff to do. Yeah. The, the, the exceeding expectations is to then close on those final tougher pulls, and they've missed on some of those. You know, Jason Moore, Dante Moore. Uh, Dante's a different situation than Jason. I don't view Dante's miss as a much of, I don't know what they could have done differently. Sure. With Jason Moore, I, I do think there's some things that maybe they could have done differently, you know, to, to close out on him. That is a miss. And every team's going to have misses, but that's what defines you as an elite recruiting operation is are your misses fewer than they have been in the past. And that's that's going to be determined by what happens with Ronan Hannafin, by what happens with Jeremiah Love. That's what's gonna, what happens with Jay Knowsbury. And, and and what quarterback do you get? And yeah. so, that, that, you know, because who are you? You got to beat Clemson for Ronan. Right. You, you've got you know, you, you look at Jeremiah Love. you got to be Bama for right. Jeremiah Love. You know, Jaden Osbury, you got to beat uh, you know, where his brother goes to school, Auburn. You've got to beat Michigan. You know, you got to you've got to beat these big time programs. If you can close the way that you with this group, then, yes, they will exceed my expectations. Fat, well, not exceed it. They will get there sooner than I anticipated, which was the question. So that's what I'll say. The close is going to be the key to that answer. Up to this point, no, this is exactly what I think a Notre Dame coaching staff should be doing. The minute I, you get hired to put in the work, this is what you should do. C- can
2: I add in one thing too is, and I know people get hyper-focused on the misses and I get it 100%, mm-hmm. but I would also say that the former staff would not have missed because they wouldn't have tried.
1: And With a I lot think, of those guys,
2: yeah. Yes, and I think that that is... I think we need to kind of keep that in mind. So okay. like,
1: Notre Dame yeah. is big
2: game fishing here. You know what I mean? Like Perfect yeah.
1: example. Today is a perfect example. Yeah. We like Malik Elzey as a player. We do. Sure. He's a sure. good football player. Yeah. He committed to Cincinnati today. Yeah. Notre Dame landed Jaden Greathouse. If the previous coaching staff was still here, Malik Elzey would have committed to Notre Dame and Jaden Greathouse would not be in Notre Dame. Yeah. And, Jay- and Malik Elzey is a good football player. But there's a difference between Malik Elzey and Jaden Greathouse and Braylon James and Rico. There just is. I'm sorry. And and that doesn't mean that Malik's not a good player. He's a good football player. But Notre Dame's not trying to win championships with just a bunch of good. you got to start getting big-time players. Jaden Greathouse is a big-time talent. Braylon James is a big-time talent. Neither one of them are in this. All three of Notre Dame's current commits would not be in Notre Dame's class if the previous staff was still here.
2: And, and, two, and I would say at least two out of three Notre Dame just wouldn't have put the effort in. Like we've heard at least from right. two, I mean, literally Jane Greenhouse three, really. wasn't even offered, but we've already talked about the Braylon James stuff. We don't have to revisit that, but they, they it, weren't and, returning the call. Right. Like, let's call it what it is. And then, I mean, Rico Flores, he, he was offered, but I don't think they were making a push. He for said it. it, you know,
1: I'm not, they're not my top 10 if the previous coaching staff was still Right. You know, I mean, that that's a fact. I mean, we, they probably they still have Drake, bowen they got Drake Bowen before coach Freeman was hired. Right. Sure. So they would have had him. They had Keon and, and Brendan Vernon. Now we could argue when they have kept Keon Keeley if Kelly was still here, that's a different question. Mm-hmm. You know, would they have Micah Bell and Christian gray, Micah, probably Christian. I don't know. I, I don't know if they get Christian gray. If, if Brian Kelly's still a head coach, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't say that they would have, they'd still get a Don Jeweler. they'd still get, they'd still, I don't know if they got, get Peyton Bowen in that case. I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, he committed after the fact. Yeah. So, so I don't know if they get Devin Houston. I it, so those are the things. Is I, I just don't know if you know. Do they get Bubakar? I, I don't have an answer. I don't know. I, I don't. Th- I, I actually think it's not a given that they would have gotten Charles Jagasaw if the current sap was here. I mean, they had every chance in the world to get Wyatt Milam, and they just chose not to. All right, I mean, he wanted to come to Notre Dame, and they just they didn't. They didn't Did he really. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, I, I had West Virginia people saying, "Yeah, if Notre Dame makes a push, of this kid he's gonna pick Notre Dame." I already, I already yeah. I heard he played pretty well for West Virginia last year as a yeah. freshman too. So. Yeah, shocker, shocker. <laughs> uh, you know, so I mean, that's the thing for me, Ryan, is th- this class they'd be like seventh, and we'd be hearing to say, "Hey, look, you know, they're doing a great job. Look who they got. They got this guy. They got whatever guy. You know, they don't have the, they don't have the old line class they have right now. They weren't recruiting Sam Pendleton." They would have yeah. got Solomon Apshur. I don't nah. think they get Elijah Page. Jagasol's about the only one. Jagasaw. I don't care who was the O line coach. They were gonna get. They were gonna get Joe Oding if they went after him. Sure. Right. Sure. Maybe Charles Jagasaw, but the others I don't think they get.
2: Yeah, and I mean you know? they would. So they probably would have gotten Pendleton if they would have identified him in offer. But, but they weren't but that's pushing the point. for. Him. They would yeah, have pushed for.
1: Him. Right. 100%. That's the point. Brilliant. To your point, they wouldn't get have. That. Yep, I think if the previous staff would have gone after Braylon James, they would have landed Braylon James. But the point is, they didn't. To right. your point, they weren't even. Right. They wouldn't even try. They just assume, well, he's got an Ohio State offer, he's got a Texas offer. Man, no chance there. We we had a couple. I mean, there's a couple
2: big time players in the staff that I mean, in the class, excuse me, that have literally called Notre Dame a dream school, but they never Notre Dame never reached out to them, yeah. and they would never push for them. Right? It's yeah. like we have big time kids calling them. And they wouldn't get the return
1: phone call. Right. Like, that's the fact. Jaden Great, Jaden Greathouse, and Braylon James are top 100 studs from Texas. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame was their leader before either kid freaking stepped foot on campus. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. And y'all wonder why I've been so grumpy though. People <laughs> said, said Driscoll so. much. I'm like, no, it's it's. I'm enjoying this job more now because I don't have to deal with that crap anymore. Uh, here's a here's a good question from another question from Desiree. Uh, I uh-huh. don't know why you're yelling at me, Desiree, but this is a good question. <laughs> I'm just joking with you. Do we have any cornerbacks that will reach the level of Kavari Russell or Julian Love? Uh, did I believe Julian Love was our best cornerback of the 2000s? uh I, first of all i want to get your question on that so of the 2000s, so that's i guess from 2000 on to now i, uh, I, I think that's an, an, an interesting one uh, do you think notre Dame has anybody and we'll go current roster and then recruiting class how sure. about that sure so first of all who do you think is the best cornerback of the 2000s i actually think i actually think if kavari russell didn't get himself suspended his opinion notre dame fans opinion of him would be significantly different because he yeah. was a really good football player at Notre Dame, he was a good player. I would stop. I would probably still say Julian Love, though. I think I don't. I think most, I think most Julian consistent. was consistent. Re- I think Julian was a really good player. I think the yeah. thing that he thrived because Mike Elko and Clark Lee did a great job of playing to his strengths. Sure, off man. I mean, we saw against Michigan when they put him in some one on ones. You know, he could get run by. He was a sure. really good player. I think Kavari's kind of kid that you could say, hey, Kavari. I need you to go cover that guy. You know, and, and that to me is why, you know, he, he didn't have the production that, that Julian had because teams just didn't throw a Kavari. That's sure. a big part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think Julian goes ahead because you talked about consistency. Well, Julian didn't get himself suspended for a whole season, yeah. right? But when Kavari was on the field, Kavari was really good. But if we're going to say 2000s, I mean, we got to go back and talk about Shane Walton, right? I mean, we've got to go back and talk about, you know, some guys from that era as well. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Shane Walt was an All-American. I'd probably still go with Julian and Kavari then as well. Just because, again, Kavari and Julian made an impact for multiple. I mean, Julian Love was a, a, a good player for Notre Dame, and every year he played. I mean, even as a freshman in 2016, he was a good football player. Yeah. And, and of course, he was more productive as a sophomore than he was as a, in, as a junior when he was an All-American. I mean, I think Troy Pride at times was better than both of them. But it yep. goes back to your to your point of the consistency of Julian was sure. there. But I mean, when when Troy Pride was on his game, he's the best cornerback nerve's had in 20 years when he was on his game. But when he wasn't on his game, because he didn't have good ball skills, he 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 would look bad. He could yep. look bad. Yep. So it's a very interesting question. Do they have any guys like that? Yes.
2: I mean, I think just from the guys that are the known commodities. Cam Hart's ceiling is just sky high, man. Like he could be as good as, as he wants to be. Really, I mean, if mm-hmm. he's putting in the work this off season, he's able to stay healthy and and keep, and keep everything together. Six two and a half, four four speed. I mean that those are those guys don't come around too often, man. Like they really mm-hmm. don't. So Cam's an easy one. I know. I, I'll let you speak more to like the the younger guys, Brian, because I know you've seen more. Again, of I know we've talked about like the um. A couple Benjamin of Morrison, and Benjamin, Benjamin Mickey, Morrison, right. and Jane Mickey. Like I saw Jane Mickey in person, but I just I don't I don't know enough of him as a recruit to be like, yeah, that guy could definitely be that dude. But I mean, I think that Notre Dame has two guys in this right. recruiting class that could be those guys. I mean, Micah Bell's ceiling is another one where it's just like it, you almost can't see it, right. right? And I think Christian Gray is another guy. I mean, he's just going to be a really consistently good player, you know? So it's conversation.
1: And that's what I think Julian Love was. Yeah. Like, when sure. I think of Julian Love, and he was an All-American, he's a really good player, I don't think Patrick Peterson. I don't think, no. you know, uh, Stingley is a freshman. I don't think Ahmed Gardner. I don't think that dominant corner. Like, he wasn't the cornerback version of Jalen Smith, right? Right. Right. And, and And so to me, that's why I say he was a really good, consistently good football player. I think there's several guys that could be that. I think Cam Hart could be better than that. I think Benjamin mm-hmm. Morrison could be that. I think Jaden Mickey could be that. I definitely think Micah Bell and Christian Gray could be that because, again, I don't think he was an elite, elite player. He was a really good player, consistent that played in a system that and he benefited from, let's be honest, That front four was one of the – I mean, the only front four that I will definitively say was better than Notre Dame's 2018 front four is Clemson's. That's it. And that Clemson D-line in 18 was – even without Hamilton – I mean, not Hamilton, uh, Lawrence, uh, Dexter Lawrence in the playoff, they were still a heck of a defensive line uh that was a I mean he benefited from playing in front of a phenomenal defensive line and front seven I mean just you know Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney at linebacker uh, that was a really good front seven and that helped Julian and helped protect Julian and he had two really a really good safety combination behind him as well that's just a really good defense was I don't know if he's the guy you look at and say you know he's Jeffrey Okuda he's well, no, you know, like no. like like when they played Clemson, as good as Julian Love, he was not the best cornerback on the field that day. A.J. Terrell was. A.J. Terrell was you know?
2: phenomenal. And, yep.
1: and so was he really good? Yeah. Was he a, an elite, elite player? I don't think that he was. And there are a lot of guys that I think could do that, especially with the, as good as we think the front seven is going to be. So, yeah, I think they got some guys like that. I do. I think they have the talent to be very similar in the secondary to what they were in 2018. The question is, will they have better depth than what they had in 2018 and will they kind of take it to an even greater level of where you have 2018 at three spots, but then you have sauce Gardner at the other, right? I mean, that's the question of that. I don't know that they have that right now, even the guys like Benjamin, I, I think Benjamin Morrison could be a great player. Do I think Benjamin Morrison's the number four overall draft pick down the road if he maxes out? No, I don't. Right. And that's where I think there's still there's still room to kinda to kinda get going, in my opinion. Sure. So they they gotta get there. They gotta get there. All right, let's get to some more questions here. Here's a Jaden Greathouse comp I wanted, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, 99 problems became one. Could Greathouse get faster and be similar to David Boston? Uh, Boston outgrew the receiver position, but was a matchup nightmare before that happened. So let's talk about the college version of David Boston. Not the David- MMA fighter, like, you know. <laughs> the the one that let himself go
2: in the NFL, that, that David looked Boston. looked like
1: he had bigger arms than, like, most defensive tackles and linebackers yes. when he was in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, that so guy did David, not miss curl day. He did not miss upper body day. Sure, did not.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was like remember Leron Landry? He was another <laughs> one that was just like, "What, yeah. dude? Yeah. All right, um, yeah, no, Boston. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see the comp personally because I understand why it's like a big body type of thing mm-hmm. that we're trying to get to, but again, Jaden's like technician, route runner, physical. David Boston was a freak, man. Like mm-hmm. when he was at Ohio State, I mean that kid could run and he was like mm-hmm. 6'2, 225. Like he was just a massive, massive guy. So, um, and I mean, you even saw in the NFL, David Boston was super inconsistent because of a variety of reasons, but the mm-hmm. best of David Boston, he was still a freaking nature.
1: Yeah. Peace, Stu 130, Ryan, how about possibly faster version of Anquan Bolden as a comp? See, I don't I don't hate that one, Brian. I think we're getting somewhere on that one. I, think I mean body type is similar. Uh body I think, similar. I'll say this: it's a much better comparison if you look at the NFL version of Anquan Bolden. See, I remember in college, Anquan Bolden was a quarterback, an option quarterback in high school. He was just yeah. an athlete that you were just kind of getting the ball to. His game as a receiver was still evolving. So that's why I don't I don't like the comp of Anquan at Florida State. Sure. I do like the comp of Anquan in the NFL because his Anquan got his game grew. As he became a more experienced wide receiver, he was a heck of a high school option quarterback. I'm sure. Not surprised by that at all.
2: I mean, so the best of Anquan Bolden, he wasn't really a contested catch guy, though. He was an after catch, like monster. He was the volume guy. Yeah, he would just break a ton of tackles. He would be your modern, like, big slot today, man. Like, he would just, yeah. yeah. So I I do like the comparison for the fact that, like, body type, and also I think that, that. how Jaden Greathouse wins as a yak guy is similar to how oh, Anquan Bolden won as mm-hmm. a yak guy. If that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Good questions, everybody. Uh, let's see here. Ninety-nine problems also asked this one, Ryan. If Notre Dame can close on Hanifin, finish this phrase. This is the best Notre Dame receiver hall since.
2: It's the best Notre Dame receiver hall since. Did Michael Floyd have another, a couple guys with him that year?
1: Not like this. I mean, it was it was uh, Deion Walker was the top hundred guy, but then your next guy was John Goodman. Uh, okay so I, I I go think the, i'll go here i'll go here the hall the year before was probably better one too you had golden tate duval Kamara the year before that i'll go here
2: then this is the best notre dame wide receiver hole since ryan roberts was born okay we'll, we'll go there
1: i i still i still like the 2016 class a lot too if we're just looking at what they were as high school players javon mckinley if you think the Jaden greathouse's numbers are good Go look at Javon McKinley's oh, junior him. numbers. I saw him. I Dude saw had over 50 catches and 1,000 yards and 14 touchdowns in the playoffs.
2: I know. I know. In
1: L.A. I mean, again, he's playing De La Salle, St. Mm-hmm. John Bosco. Javon McKinley was a stud. You also had Chase Claypool in that class. You also had Kevin Stefferson in that class. Oh, uh, what could have been. And, and, and I believe that was also the year they had Jalen Guyton who's just now in the, the national NFL. football league. <laughs> yeah, and then in yeah. 15 in 15, it was Boykin equinomy St. Brown, CJ Sanders. I think Guyton might've actually been in that class. I think chase Claypool's class might've actually only been those three. So let me just look at this real quick, just to make sure that I'm, I'm sure. So in 2016, I, I, cause gate Guyton, I get confused like what year he was, if he was 15 or 16, so yeah, it was Javon McKinley, Chase Claypool, and Kevin Stefferson was that trio. Mm-hmm. That was a heck of a receiver class. J- Chase Claypool had his, I mean, if we're if we're talking about adding guys to a class, Chase Claypool has would have the highest ceiling of anyone that we're talking about. Right? Like I would love to have seen Chase Claypool play four years under Chancy Stuckey and Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese. His highlights tape coming out of Canada was one of the craziest
2: things I've ever seen. He was playing like single high free safety right. and returning punts, and it was silly. Yeah. It was
1: just silly. I mean, stuff. he was a freak. Javon McKinley was an even more productive version of Jaden Greathouse through his junior year. I mean, that's that's insane, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, look, Jaden Greathouse is a great player. And a lot of times, you know, we have this thing where we kind of look at guys for what they became and we forget how good the guy was at that particular time, which is why we, you know, just don't automatically assume, but let's, let's look at, let's look at Javon McKinley's numbers. All right. As, as a junior in high school, Javon McKinley had 91 catches for 1,906 yards and 20 touchdowns. And oh, by the way, he took a, took a kickoff back 95 yards for a touchdown against De La Salle in the championship game. Right. Like this is what Javon McKinley did as a junior in high school in the playoffs against Norco, five catches, 116 yards, two touchdowns against Gardena Serra, who had like three division one. It's like basically the California version of Denton Geyer. He had six, 14 catches for 240 yards and four touchdowns against modern day, modern that modern day, six catches for 187 yards and a touchdown against Bishop Amat. This is four rounds deep into the playoffs. 11 catches, 282 yards, three touchdowns. Against St. John Bosco, yes, that St. John Bosco, 13 catches, 151 yards and a touchdown, and I think they don't have the De La Salle numbers in here, but I think he was like six for about like 100, and then he had a 90-something-yard touchdown return for a kickoff. I mean, that guy was ridiculous. He was ridiculous. (laughs) and And he had two touchdown kick return touchdowns in the playoffs, right? So, I mean, again, a lot of this is about these guys got a I mean Javon had an injury early in his career, a leg injury on in his career, which sapped him of some explosiveness. He didn't always he wasn't always the hardest worker. I think that's one difference between him and Jay Greathouse. Uh he wasn't coached incredibly well. It's so a I mean so there's factors that always go into this. But if we're just talking about where they were as high school players, the 15 class that at Equinemie St. Brown, Miles Boykin, Jalen Guyton, and CJ Sanders, who is the most dynamic return guy no name has had since Allen Rossum. I'm gonna be honest. And he was your fourth guy. Jalen Guyton's in the NFL. He didn't pan mm-hmm. out. He was Kyler mm-hmm. Murray's dude. His his high school numbers were also pretty insane. Uh St. Brown was pretty good football player. And Miles Boykin was a pretty good football player. I would put this class ahead of that one. I think the 16 one might have been a little bit uh a little bit closer no but look Jalen Guyton in his last year at high school at Allen state champion with Kyler Murray 74 catches for 1,605 yards and 16 touchdowns he was not a bum right and I graded him as a four-star player and he's starting in the NFL right now for the Chargers, or at least he's playing a bunch I don't know if he's starting but he He, plays a bunch he plays he plays a role yep so uh, you know those two classes were pretty good and it's another example of why I've said they've Notre Dame has wasted so much think about that in a two-year span Notre Dame signed Chase Claypool, Javon McKinley, Echo St. Brown, Miles Boykin, Jalen Guyton, Kevin Stefferson, and CJ Sanders at wide receiver in two years. And it can never develop a great pass attack. Notre Dame has wasted so much freaking talent under Brian Kelly. It's not even funny at this point in time. Like I'm literally not laughing. It's it's like it's just ticks me off. Think about all that talent at receiver, Ryan. You're talking mm-hmm. about a bunch of 4-4 guys, and most of them are 4-4 at 6-4+. plus. EQ yep. ran a 4-4. Miles ran a 4-4. Chase ran a 4-4. C.J. Sanders ran a 4-4. Kevin Stefferson would have ran a 4-4 if he wasn't an idiot. I mean, he was a great athlete. You know, it just, oh. It's, it's very like frustrating, kick-off. man. It is. Very Brian Thidoff. Brian, got to bring some lighthearted question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get mad. This is, a good, this is a day of celebration, Brian. What were your top three sit-down restaurants? You can't say QP, Growing up in Lima, my family ate a lot in Lima when I was a kid in the '80s. My top three were Parzons. He, he said one, Banditos, and Ground Round. So, okay, so you nailed the, my number one. Parzons was this uh, Italian kind of place, ish. At least that's what we ate when we went there. It got closed down by the health code violations, but it was at the um, it was at one of the malls. It wasn't at, it was at the American Mall. So we'd eat there a lot. I was never a big Banditos fan, but we would eat there. Actually, they had a breakfast buffet, so like it would that was actually good. So it was like you know eggs and stuff, whatever. Is this in Virginia? Like, this, this is not grown up in Lima, Ohio. Oh, I Ohio. had a birthday at the Ground Round when I was a kid, but I I didn't like eating there. Uh, so Parisons was one. Uh, I really like. This is going to sound funny. I liked eating at Ponderosa when I was a kid. Like that was like kind of nice. You know, you could get a steak and all that stuff. Uh, the other place that I like, we would, after Friday night football games, we would go to Fat Jack's because there's Fat Jack's is a pizza place. And some of the Fat Jack's are just, you just get the pizza, but there was another one out on, I think it was the one on, I don't think it's Ada road. I can't forget the West street. I forget which one it was, but it was actually like, it had like a pool table and like a dartboard and, and you could sit down and eat. And so we'd go there Friday nights after football games and we'd eat at Fat Jack's. So nice. those three Parazons uh ponderosa because that was close by the house and i could get steak and there wasn't like a lot of steak houses when i was growing up as a kid and then uh par- and then um uh, fat jacks so those are the three that i would eat at a lot as a kid so yeah thanks for the question rob appreciate that i'm glad he said Perizons banditos my mom still likes eating at banditos that's still around by the way i don't know if the, the other two aren't but i think banditos is still around my wife is eating at banditos that's how that's how it's been around a long time adam blair Brian and Ryan, can you guys explain how great Jalen Smith was at Notre Dame and how great he could have been if he didn't get hurt? I'll let you answer the second one, Ryan. Uh, Let me take the first one. Sure. Jalen Smith could have been the greatest linebacker to ever play at Notre Dame and one of the greatest to ever play the game of college football if he would have played for Mike Elko or Clark Lee or Marcus Freeman. He was wasted so much, and he still had great numbers. But think about this. Asmar Bilal had more 10-plus tackle for lost seasons than Jalen Smith had at Notre Dame. That's disgusting. But even then he was a tremendous linebacker, incredibly talented, uh, had good instincts, but even when he wasn't making the right decision, he was, the, he was, he's the most explosive linebacker I've ever seen with all due respect to Micah Parsons and people like that. But pre-injury Jalen Smith is the most explosive linebacker I've ever seen. And most productive. I mean, I mean, not, but he was a, such a great playmaker. He just played in a crap system and he was always used to protect Joe Schmidt instead of being used as a weapon. Um, so how great could he have been when he got hurt? Ryan, that's more for you because you're you're the NFL guy.
2: Well, I, I'd i say he definitely would have been a top 10 pick in that draft rather than a second-round pick because of the injury, the Achilles. I, I mean, Jalen Smith was still a good player with the Cowboys for a couple of years. I mean, he earned himself a, a nice little contract there. I, I don't necessarily think it was the athletic limitations due to the injury that caught up to him. I think that, if anything, Brian, in my opinion, he guesses a lot. And in the NFL, he guessed a lot, and his eye discipline wasn't the best. So he would just kind of get lost in the shuffle at times. It really I don't think it was an athletic limitation thing, though. I think he came back and he was still a great athlete. Maybe he wasn't quite as good an athlete as he was as a peak at Notre Dame, but yeah. like I don't think it was an athletic
1: deficiency. I think it was just more some discipline
2: issues as far as a
1: player. And I don't think he was the, – the times I saw him play, he wasn't as explosive as he was at Notre Dame. He was still explosive compared to most linebackers. It'd be like Will Fuller losing a tenth of a second on the 40. He's still fast, but he wasn't like he was before. Uh, and and, and the, the bigger thing, the, the change of direction is the thing mm-hmm. that Jalen lost. Downhill, Jalen was still explosive. Yeah. But some of the things he could get away with when he wasn't necessarily making the right decision, that's what I was saying. Like he, I thought he showed some good instincts for going to the ball mm-hmm. in college. You can't always get away with that in the NFL, especially when you've lost a step. He could get away with things when he before he lost a step, then that he just couldn't. I would I would imagine, and in a couple games I saw him play, I he couldn't get it. He would you know like in college, Jalen makes that play, yeah, right. But I I think he deteriorated a lot quicker athletically, you know. And then That's the eye right. discipline issues, Ryan, I would imagine, become an even greater issue. Comes when when quantified, can't it. Yeah. right, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a good question. It's a good really question? good question Anthony Oz, Notre Dame got screwed big time in 1993. We beat Florida State head-to-head and won the tiebreaker based on head-to-head competition. I'm going to say this, Anthony. I understand where you're coming from. I do. But to me, I don't think they got screwed because I don't think a championship should be about who won the head-to-head. It should be about who was the better team beginning to end. Head-to-head is part of that, but it can't be the only part of that. And when you look at Notre Dame in 1993 and you look at Florida State in 1993 – Notre Dame had the better win, Florida State had the better loss, and the reality is is Notre Dame didn't get screwed because Notre Dame after beating Florida State was in control of their own destiny and they couldn't get it done. I mean, if we're going to be honest, Florida State that year beat number 17 Clemson 57 nothing, they beat number 13 North Carolina 33 to 7, they beat number 3 Miami. 28 to 10 they beat number 15 Virginia 40 to 14 They beat number 7 uh, Florida 33 to 21 and then in the bowl game beat number 2 Nebraska 18 to 16 Notre Dame that year beat number 3 Michigan 27 to 23 and they beat number 1 Florida State and number 7 Texas A&M that's it that's it Florida State simply put had a better resume than Notre Dame did that year if I'm being honest that's a be- if the role if the roles were reversed and Notre Dame beat like six ranked teams and Florida State beat three, we'd be crying about that part of it. But we don't talk about that as much. Yes, they had the head-to-head, and and that should matter. But it was a head-to-head at Notre Dame. And a week later, Notre Dame lost to Boston College. If you just simply beat Boston College, none of this matters. But they didn't. And that's why they didn't get so I I yeah, you know. I've just, I've got to be concerned. I think your championship should be determined off who you are over the course of an entire season, not who was the better team on that one Saturday. I just, you know, I, I just think if if everything's equal, head to head matters. But I think when you look at the resumes, Ryan, they 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 weren't equal. I -hmm. mean, Florida State wasn't just beating ranked teams; they were destroying ranked teams, crushing
2: them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Notre
1: Dame's wins over ranked teams were by four, seven, three, and a two point loss. Right. Their wins over ranked teams were 57, 26, 18, th- 26, uh, 12, and 2, mm-hmm. right? So Notre Dame, to win that, you're needed to not only beat Florida State, but they had to beat Boston College. They didn't get it done. And it's fair. So, you know, it's, it's very I'm going to be honest. That's just why I'm, I don't. I, I, you don't catch me saying they got screwed. I have said this. If there was a playoff, I, I think Notre Dame would have still beat Florida State in a playoff. I do think that. And I've gone back and forth on that. But like, I don't think they'd have beat Miami in a rematch in 88. But I don't think Miami would have beat Notre Dame in a rematch in 89. So it would have, it would have balanced out. They still would have won a title one of those two years. I sure. think Notre Dame could have still beat Florida State in a rematch. I do. Because they, they could just physically beat Florida State up. And that was the biggest difference between Miami. That's why Miami had so many championships and Florida state had fewer. Florida state could match anybody athlete wise, Ryan, back then. What they couldn't do is play elite in the trenches. And that was the difference. We're going to walk. We're going to wrap up. We're getting a few more here that are really good. And we got to, we got to get rolling here, here in a few Tommy rock. If big, if Notre Dame were to join a conference, would you like to see the Irish stick it to the big 10 and join the sec? That would be my choice. Screw Michigan.
2: I'm so tired of conference realignment talk. <laughs> I just—I I don't know. I, I Tommy, I it's it's a fair question. I I I don't know, Brian. Like I, I still like I still like geographically teams kind of making sense a little bit. So I'd probably still I'd probably rather Big Ten personally, but that's just me.
1: I never want to see no name join the Big Ten ever for reasons yeah. we've documented. I yeah. think you should be in a league for one of two reasons. Uh, geographics is one. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm for that. And sure. and that's why I think SEC teams should be in the Southeast. And ACC teams should, for the most part, be in the Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the thing I'll say is, I, I also think the other reason is to be with like-minded institutions is another reason to be in a conference. And I think Notre Dame is close enough in geography that it makes sense to be in the ACC. If the ACC is still a thing, and sure. all other things are equal. I'd much rather be in the ACC because, and we've talked about this, the ACC is much more in line with who Notre Dame is. Even mm-hmm. the public schools are smaller. You know, there's a lot of, there's more, I mean, I think if I'm, if I'm correct and I, and I believe I'm correct on this, uh, there's only one private school in the the big 10 and that's Northwestern. Correct. So
2: can't think of another.
1: Right. And, and so, and then the other part of it is, is size. You know, I mean, you look at Virginia, which is, as I've said, is a um, public school, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a public school that is academically oriented. It's a smaller school. It's more selective. There's like 17,000, 18,000 students there. Ohio State is over 40. It's crazy. You know, I mean, you've got Duke as a smaller school. And so I'm actually going to look and see what Duke's uh, in, enrollment is right now. But it's a smaller school. Wake Forest is, is I think, just as small or close to being as small as Notre Dame. Yeah, Wake Forest, as of 2014, was at 7,500. I would imagine they're over eight now. Duke in 2017 was just over 15. Much smaller schools, much more selective academic schools. The Big Ten is more research-oriented. The ACC is more you know uh, I'm trying to think of the protect per, 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 per the proper word. Some teachers, uh, I forget like where the focus is more on like the traditional subjects. Right. And you know, not that there isn't research. Duke has great research, right? Notre Dame has some research. It's just, it's, it's a different emphasis on it because you're at the bigger state school. So I just, I think the ACC still fits in line a lot with no, what Notre Dame stands for as an institution. And I think that's the other reason along with geography, to, to join a conference. Right. And that's why I would still go with well, the, ACC. Well, but what, what, if, what if, um, but if in the situation, two,
2: if it's only those two, yeah, I'd
1: go with the sec. Fair. Like there's, there's just certain things that I, that I have a hard time forgiving now, if, if, if the big 10 were to do some things maybe to, you know, kind of own their mistakes, somebody said, what if they, what if they asked for forgiveness for that and made a public thing? I, I'd consider it maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, but I would need to know, I would need to have some, some assurances that, um, You know that 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 was a meaningful type of thing. So I mean, nothing. I'll never say never. I'll say that. I'll never say never. But it it would take a lot. It would take a lot for me to be okay with with them joining the Big Ten. To be completely honest with you, Uh, John Wayne's Winchester. What Notre Dame team could have beaten nineteen ninety five Nebraska? Nineteen eighty nine Notre Dame. (laughs) Nineteen again. I can only go off of teams that I've seen play. Nineteen eighty nine Notre Dame. I think could have beaten nineteen ninety five Nebraska. I do. I think the 88 team could have held Nebraska down, but I don't know if the 88 team had enough offense to win that game. The 89 team had more offense. You had Ricky Waters at running back, Rocket Ismail at receiver. Derek Brown was a sophomore. Tony Rice was just electric that year. I think I think that's probably one. Uh, and thank you for the super chat, John Wayne's Winchester. I think that's probably one that I think could have had a chance to beat 95 Nebraska. 93 Notre Dame can't beat, couldn't have beat 95 Nebraska, in my opinion. All right, let's get the last few here. Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker, what player during the Kelly era had a had the talent had all the talent in the world but needed better coaching and mentorship that didn't get it uh didn't that that didn't get it and didn't pan out so uh, we could name a a bunch, but let's pick one. Let's pick one mine is uh, mine is Aaron Lynch.
2: Oh, Aaron Lynch is a good one. Yeah. I didn't even think about Aaron
1: Lynch. That's he a really needed good better. One. The, the coaching part wasn't the problem. The mentorship was the problem with Aaron Lynch, and and Aaron Lynch is his own, was his own worst enemy in a lot of ways too. This is mm-hmm. I don't put that all on Notre Dame, but he's when I think of that because again, all the talent well, not just could have been a good player, but all the yeah. talent in the world. Uh, that's that's one for me. He's a stud.
2: Do you think that Deshaun Kaiser would have done better with different coaching? you think it was just a purely
1: yeah. mental thing on no, his side? No, I, I think he he would. It's the same thing. Mentorship was the problem with Deshaun Kaiser, not coaching. It was mentorship. Gotcha. Phil Dracovic, I think, would have been the better quarterback if if the, if all things were equal, coaching and mentorship. I still think Phil a better quarterback than Deshaun Kaiser. But yes, Deshaun Kaiser with better mentorship could have been really good. I mean, I mean, Deshaun. Deshaun, even though he had a rough last
2: year and he had those character concerns, he still went early in the second round. You know, right. like he was, he was a first round talent. Oh, yes. It was just no question.
1: Yeah, he had first round physical tools. I still am not convinced he had first round mental tools. I still don't know Let's if start. he necessarily reads defenses at an elite level and all that kind of stuff. But maybe sure. he could have a Vita State at Notre Dame for at least another year, and, and with good coaching and mentorship, like that you have mentioned.
2: And maybe he would have
1: wanted to stay if he right. had that good mentorship, right. right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Very, very, very interesting one there. Good questions. Gideon Rosa of the remaining realistic targets, Nova Sad, Osbury, Mpemba, Hannafin, and Love, who has the highest upside?
2: Of that group, I would say it's Pemba I mean, uh, that kid... I, I think Mpemba is eventually going to be a defensive end. I think he's going to be a Viper type. And I think that he has all the talent in the world. I mean, that kid could be six three and 6'4", 250 pounds, and still be incredibly explosive and incredibly bendy. But you're I mean on that list though, Hannafin has high upside. I think love has high upside, but I I'd probably defer to impemba I think he does have yeah. incredible upside. Who would be your number two? It would either be Jeremiah Love
1: or Ronan Hanniffan, be a yeah. tough conversation. I, for I'd me. go Hannafin too. Uh, huh. uh, just because, yeah, for a number of reasons, I, I think it's close. If we're just yeah. talking pure upside, I'd probably have Love over Osbury because I love Osbury yeah. as a player, love that he's a player. I mean, but I'm not going to sit here and be like he's going to be the next Luke Kuechly. He's six foot, foot one, two hundred five, two hundred ten pounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's it's but, the it's the floor of Jaden Osbury yeah, that gets you excited. Y- yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, and just the the leadership and the attitude yep. and yep. playmaking a bit. Like he's that kind he, of guy. He's, that, he's got you know the feel is, of a team captain
2: eventually. and you know all he that is, stuff. He's
1: N'Kobe Dean, like like different type of player. But, like, N'Kobe Dean was the best linebacker Georgia had last year, and I don't think it was close. But he was, like, what, third or fourth of all the guys drafted? And I know there's some medical stuff there, but, like, you know, it's just small, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, man, when you pop on the college film, and that's the best linebacker they had. Right? And that's kind of how I feel about Jaden Osbury. He may not be a future top 10 NFL draft pick. I don't care where he goes. But mm-hmm. you're going to look at him in his career and be like, man, that guy was a heck of a college football player. Agree. You know, and uh, that's what I love about him. And and like you said, the, the intangibles with him are, are through the roof. Corey D, uh, mm-hmm. Super Chat, any rumblings? Thank you for the Super Chat, Corey. Any rumblings about Notre Dame uniform changes, pants? I haven't heard anything, honestly, but I really haven't asked. I'll try to I'll try to do digging into that as we get closer to fall camp, but I haven't heard anything. Uh, Blaine Tiller says, Jalen Smith was amazing, easily the best linebacker even over Manta at Notre Dame. See, again – we have to go – there's a difference between most talented and best. Yeah. Jalen Smith was the best from the standpoint of talent, but you can't look at his production, and it's not even in the same universe as the production that Manti had. Now, it wasn't his fault. He played in a crap system. But mm-hmm. to me, Manti was the better college player because of the coaching and the opportunity to be a great player. Okay. I mean, Manti's numbers blow Jalen's away. Jalen was barely over 100 tackles, never got to 10 tackles for loss, Never had more than a two or three sacks in a season. Never didn't have a bunch of turnovers. He wasn't a phenomenal player, but he just was held back by coaching. If all things were equal and they had similar coaching and all that, then there would be no question that Jalen would be better. I think Jalen could have been one of the best linebackers to ever play college football if he was in the right system. I do. That's fair. Like if Jalen would have gone to Alabama instead of mm-hmm. Notre Dame, I mean, oh my goodness.
2: I mean, to this point, like we're talking about best college players. And I, I mean, I would argue that Manti is one of the best linebackers in college in the last like 20 years. Oh, right? yeah. Like, I mean, he was fantastic.
1: Yeah. He was a fantastic player. Right. Right. And and Jalen could have should have been. And it's, it's not right. his fault that he wasn't. Agree. But the re- reality is, I mean, to be a great player at some point, there has to be a level of production. And Jalen's production is, I mean, it's not special. The reason he won the Buckus award is because people could watch the film and be like, this guy's unbelievable. Sure. Right. But you know, it just, he was held back a lot in my opinion. Last one from Sid Irish. This is a, this is a fun one, Ryan. Uh, cool. So we're, we're going to wrap up with this top running backs, in another name. And he's, and he ended up going top five. The follow-up question was top five. So top five okay. running backs since 2000 Now we did this yesterday with quarterbacks. Uh-huh. You can go one of two ways. You can give your three favorite, or you can go okay. top. That can be your top. Uh, or you can go top in regards to who are the best.
2: Okay, I'll I'll try to hit the best. Best since two thousand. Julius Jones, Josh Adams. Oh man, who would the third one be? I,
1: Darius Walker. Okay. So what's your, do you have a top five or you're just going to go top three? Cause it's I a, not said top three. I, I can no, keep going. Five, um, yeah.
2: Okay. So then after that, I would go.
1: Because yeah, 2000 is in there. Cause like, man, I wish we could go back to the nineties and I could really talk yeah. about something. No lead back. Well, intro. they were they were they were talking yeah. the Hall
2: of Famers. Of that yeah, somebody yeah. said Bettis
1: again. Um, Bettis was long gone by the time 2000s, yeah, early thou- early I mean, 90s. Um, Julius Jones to me is is at the top. Is is he's pretty he really easy good. one. Yeah, he's he a really Kyron, good player. You know, where's Kyron in that list? That'd be interesting. Oh, Ky- Kyron uh, might be four or yeah. five for me. Yeah, Theer Wood is at least in the conversation. Um, you know, he had a thousand yard year and did, did, good
2: Ryan, did Ryan Grant have a thousand yard year? I, I Think so. He yeah, have.
1: he <clears> was <throat> his yards per carry wasn't that great. No. Uh, let, me, let me let me. Neither look
2: neither up. was Darius Walker. Darius Walker's yards per carry mm-hmm. wasn't that great either.
1: The reason I put Darius in there easily and no questions about it, even though his yards per carry wasn't great, uh, is um he was such a he was so productive in the pass game. Yeah, he was great. I mean, he caught a yep. ton of passes. Yep. Ryan sure Grant. Had a one thousand and eighty-five yards in two thousand two. He averaged, uh, let's see here, four point two yards per carry. It was the highest of his career, uh, by the way. And he That's only had a, a thousand and twenty-five yards the next two years combined. So That's really low. Yeah, Man. it's not great. It's not great. I'm gonna see Julius Jones's college stats. I know the two was a two thousand three that he just had. I mean, just well, I mean, just really impressive numbers. But he had uh, – so he had 375 uh, as, a, as a freshman, five yards of carry. Uh, I think that was, was – that, no, it was 2,000. He had to – yeah, 2,000 he had to kick return, I think, against Nebraska. 2,000 as a sophomore, he went for 657, 4.1 per carry. Their O-lines back then were so bad. 2001, 718, 4.3. And then as a senior, he broke out, had 1,268 yards, 10 touchdowns, 5.5 yards per, per carry. And he was, I mean, he basically was the offense in 03. And that was after he missed the previous year for a suspension. So he also had 1,600 yards in his career as a, it was 2,000 that he had the kick return. But he had, he had over, uh, he had over 2,000 yards in his career in return yardage, over 1,600 in kick returns and over 400 in punt returns. And he had a kick return and a punt return for a touchdown in his career. So, yeah, So that, that would be, that would be that. So, yeah, I mean. There haven't been a lot of great running backs at Notre Dame since the 2000s. I mean, because Audrey wow. Denson's not on that list because he was done by then. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, of the Kelly era, I mean, you'd have Kyron Williams. You have you could have Josh and because Josh Adams had three really good seasons at Notre Dame, he should have sure come did. back. I mean, I mean sure that, that's a reality. He should have come back. There's there's no question about. it. He was not ready for the NFL. He got very very bad advice. Uh, you know, because you imagine Josh Adams playing that 2018 team. As a one-two punch with Dexter Williams, I've been fun to watch.
2: Uh, And Kyron Williams is absolutely in the top five now that we're rolling through a few other names, right? Like, I mean, yeah. had Yeah.
1: So, I mean, just some different guys that led the team in rushing. You had – so, to me, you have Julius Jones. Honestly, if I'm going to talk about the entirety of their careers, it's hard for me not to put Darius Walker at number one. I mean, he had 780 yards as a freshman and then went over 1,000 the next two years. And he, he caught a, a player, ton man. of passes. I mean, so as a, as a true freshman, uh, he had uh, 786 yards and uh, seven touchdowns. As a sophomore in 05, he had 1196 and nine touchdowns, 43 catches. Mm-hmm. As a junior, he had 1,267 yards, five yards of carry, seven touchdowns, 56 catches. So, I mean, you know, th- there's a pretty good football player. There's and you can't use yeah. yards per carry weren't that great, but neither were Kyron's. I mean, Kyron yeah. was was four, nine, and five, two last yeah, two I years. I know. Uh, you know, he he's caught a lot of balls as well. But, you know, Darius Walker was there. And then after Darius, they didn't really have anybody in that conversation. I mean, James Aldridge led him in rushing 07, Armando in 08, and 09. Sierra Wood had 600 as a leader that next year. He had 1,102 the year after that. Him and Jonas Gray were a really nice one-two punch. They were. I Theo Riddick I was only running back for like a year.
2: I would have loved to see – yeah, that's why I didn't include, like, C.J. Yeah. or something. But um, I would have loved to see Terrian Folson if he never got hurt. That, that would
1: have been one yes. for me. Yeah. Yep, yep. Because he – he, uh, loose emoji gave me the stat when we worked together. Through two years, he was, like, fourth all-time in rushing through his second year at Notre Dame. I mean, he was behind, like, Autry Denson. Uh, he was behind, like I think, like, Vegas Ferguson. And, like, mm-hmm. I think uh, Alan Pinkett. I think we're the only three. That had yeah. more yards through his first two years than Darius Darius, uh, excuse me, than Torian Folson had. I remember I, his, fr-
2: his freshman year, man. He had some shake to him in the open yes. field. I was like, "Ooh, yes.
1: all right." <laughs> Even the run he got hurt on, he had a really nice one cut. He just he, was a stretch. I think it was a stretch play left. Yeah. He burst vertically, and it was like just a really nice cut, really nice cut. But he was a kid that could not afford to lose a step. Yes, that's the problem. So yep. I go, I go. Darius Walker one. I go, I'd go. Julius Jones two. I'd go. Josh Adams three because I actually think Josh Adams' best year was his freshman year. He was that's when he was at his was best. Great. Yeah, not his most yeah. productive year, but he was really good as a freshman. So I go Josh three. I'd go. I'd have to go Kyron four. I don't know who five would be. I mean, may, maybe Sierra would, but I don't want to give him Wood, any love. Maybe um, uh, I mean just because yeah, he just wasn't a good kid. Trying to think of who else uh, Dex could have been, if he would have kept his head head on straight. Um, just give it those.
2: the, give it the one year breakout. Just give it the CJ process. Okay, for there sure. we go. Oh, Cause
1: yeah, CJ had it. production. We'll go with that. We'll go with yeah. that. So there you go, guys, everybody uh, let's, let's kick the uh, uh, petty Clemson person out of here. Some people, man, I tell you what uh, just no, no common sense whatsoever. So anyway, Ryan, is going to do it, man, for our two in one show. So three and a half hours deep. So that was uh, a really good stuff, everybody. Hey, as we get out of here, I I lost Matt's. Here we go. May say K. Here we go. Join the message board, everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Leave a five-star review. Visit the IB store for some Gap closers. Merchant, as always, go Irish. Thanks, everybody, so, so much for being with us the last two days. Uh, Very, very long shows. Uh, but I, th- I think lots of great content. Big day, right, Ryan? I mean, end of the day, what we were here today to begin with, Jaden Greathouse picks Notre Dame. Notre Dame's back to number one in the recruiting rankings. Uh, really, really big-time pickup for, for the Irish and a much, much-needed player. Thanks to Jaden Greathouse for joining the show and being with us today. But uh, we'll probably be back tomorrow. I'm not 100% certain if we're going to have the RTCF show tomorrow. We'll have to see on that one. Uh, but that's why you need to hit that notification bell. And then, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Coach D178. You can follow Ryan at Rise N, as in Nancy Draft. I can follow him there. And, of course, the best way to do it is just be on the message board. Sign up at boards.irishbreakdown.com. So, have a great day, everybody. Thank you again for all your support. We love all y'all. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Irish Breakdown Podcast.